you shouldn't have to like carry every burden yourself and there are people out there that understand how you're feeling and can actually give you the tips that we know through science work so go and see your GP and if you don't love your GP find a better one because there are some really wonderful GPs out there who really understand these things and they can then refer you on you can get mental health care plans that mean seeing a psychologist is far more affordable or if it's a physical problem then go and see they'll refer you to a good physio and actually you know get the help that you need um, and then the second thing is just the the daily small things that you can do for your health and well-being will impact over in the long run so you know eating a little bit better every day adding a few more veggies in getting a little bit more sleep going to bed a little bit earlier or spending five minutes just focusing on your breathing these seemingly tiny things if they you add them all together do really and I, I'm sure you would agree with this Georgie because I know you talk about this stuff a lot too but they they change your life Hello and welcome to the Mind to Lead podcast. I'm Georgie Hubbard and I am on a mission to help you live a level 10 life. If you want to live an extraordinary life, a life full of passion and energy, of joy and abundance, then this is the podcast that teaches you how to do just that. Through my conversations with some extraordinary leaders and my own life experiences, I come to you weekly with all of the teachings, and steps you need to take your life to the next level. So if you are ready to develop the mindset it takes to lead, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind to Lead podcast. It's a Monday, I've had about 10 coffees and I'm excited to speak to the beautiful Beck Mitchell today. Beck, amazing to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Georgie. <laughs> so I followed you for the last year on LinkedIn and I just love what you're about. I love all your content, your messaging. So for those of the audience that don't know who you are, could you give a little brief introduction to who is Beck and a little bit about your journey so far? Of course. So my background is physiotherapy um, and I worked as a physio for seven years or so Um trying to make myself enjoy being a physio I kind of managed to work my way up into working with athletes and working at a really great clinic and you know living the physio dream um, but just really didn't feel that excited by the whole thing so I ended up trying to like dabble in bits and pieces I did a certificate in nutrition I became a meditation teacher and I was kind of trying to find my way and I ended up um, moving more into the corporate wellness space and I've done some work now kind of consulting I work for a company where I was consulting to Westpac and EY running their well-being programs and have really eventually kind of branched out and ended up doing my own um, company where I essentially just run well-being workshops on a bunch of different topics and I've now just started also my master's in psychology and neuroscience so I'm really excited about that and I feel like I've only been doing it a week so I'm like very cognizant of the fact that it's early stages so I'm not getting over excited but like I'm just so so excited and so into all of the content that I'm reading which is so great after you know years of physio which was like mm -hmm. physics and anatomy and it just didn't really do much for me mm -hmm. um yeah so and I'm going to incorporate that into my corporate work and my consulting and stuff which I'm really excited about yeah I think that's such a refreshing story to hear as well because there are so many, especially like young people and not even young people, but lots of people I speak to who just kind of fall into careers. They, they have no idea what they want to do and they think, well, I've got to go and get a job that pays me this much and, and do this and do that. What, what, why did you get into physiotherapy in the first place? Was there a reason behind it? 
I think it's such an embarrassing when I'm like, if I'm really honest about it, it's really, I, I wanted to do something that I thought everyone would be like, that's a really great career. Well done. You've ticked the box and you're doing well in life. And I think too, like part of it was wanting to, you know, use my enter score. I don't know what it's called these days. I think it's like changed to some other name but anyway, like use my score, which was so silly as well. And then also I was like this such a nerdy kid, like not very sporty, really unco. And I think part of me really kind of thought it would make me cooler to be a physio, mm. but it's just like that clear. I mean, clearly saying it now, it sounds absurd, but like I say that so much to young people, like don't pick it for what it looks like. Like do not do a course or choose a career based on what it sounds like to other people because it's clearly, I mean, it sounds so obvious, but I think a lot of people do it. It's not going to create the life that you really live and you really want to live. And it's also not going to end up bringing the most out of you, I don't think either. Yeah, I, I think that is, that's a hugely powerful message. Um, in fact, I read a book recently. I don't know if you've read it or if you have, I highly recommend it. It's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. Um, quite a read. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the key points was that it's a big one. I wish I lived a life true to myself and not for other people. And what you just said then is like that whole society pressure, like, you know, I want to go and get a job because of the way it looks. So when did you realize how early on into that career that it was wasn't the the right choice for you <laughs> I mean I think probably week one of my physio degree <laughs> I was like these are not my people I mean I had a really uh, great group of friends yeah. but like most of the people were so different to me and I like yeah. felt like I was having to like crush the personality out of myself to fit into this mold of being a physio I so pretty early on but I think also I'm just such a perfectionist that I was like, I've got to finish this. I have to prove myself. I have to get through this. If it's a challenge, that means that I should be trying to do it and I shouldn't wuss out and like quit early on. Like I've got to keep going. And then I got into the job and I'm like, maybe if I get a better job, then I'll enjoy it more. And it just ends up being this self-fulfilling prophecy of like, mm. suddenly you're so far into it that it feels like you're wasting your time if you quit, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I can, I can completely and utterly sympathize and empathize with both of that what you just said then and you also said something really interesting you said fit in you know so I think that's a key piece that people are trying to fit in and actually one of the most courageous thing you can do is go against the grain so what steps did you take to move away or like how did you go about just making the change when you realized that it wasn't for you what did that look like I think from pretty early on in my career, I'd started just like, I mean, I've always been massively into reading. I think we're quite similar like that. Like I listen to podcasts and I'm always reading different books and trying to understand like, what is it that makes human beings happy? And how is it that you can align your values with your actions and all of those sorts of things? And I guess it just became this sort of long journey of gradually understanding a little bit more about myself and what would make me happy and what would get the most out of myself. And then I would, you know, make lots of coffee dates with people who I knew worked in different industries I thought I might be interested in. I tried like bits and pieces of courses. Like I do, you know, I did my meditation teaching certification and like tried all different pieces, bits and pieces to figure out which of those really felt like me and felt like something that I could then use to contribute to the world, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's just a case of a bit of trial and error and just trying lots of new things, reading. Um, I love the fact that you said something like that as well, that, that whole like self-awareness piece and sort of getting to know yourself. Like I truly believe that self-awareness is the key to self-mastery. So 
how how much time did you sort of spend like researching reading like were you just com- completely consumed in it or like what did you how's like what's your process and, and yeah how did you go about doing that I think it's a really good point and I often think I probably spent almost too much time in that process it's like par- paralysis by analysis and I think that is a big trap and I'm I, you know I was doing those school of life courses and it was all like what's your ultimate career goals and like who how are you going to make the most out of how do you self-actualize to make the most out of yourself and I do think there comes a point where action is really necessary so to a point yes I think seeing psychologists is wonderful I think reading these books is great and understanding yourself and that is a probably definitely a lifelong process but also there comes a point where that repeatedly just trying to analyze and it's almost becomes a bit egotistical I think to spend too much in that analyzing phase and not enough time in that actually acting and going out and making a difference in the world phase I completely agree and you said something before that as well which I think is the biggest reason that that holds a lot of people back it held me back for years is that whole perfectionism it's wait I don't know enough yet I, I'm not ready to take that next step basically I'm not enough so like this is the thing that sometimes you have to like there is that leap of faith a little bit isn't it like okay I have done so many courses I've read so many books now I have to take action so where where did you start to sort of take the action where did you kind of know okay I kind of know enough now I kind of know enough about who I am what I want when did you yeah was it your intuition like how did you know that you were kind of ready to to make this change I think I I mean I've always been someone who I really value education. So I guess I'd done enough other courses and stuff that I felt like I was then in a position and that not everyone needs to do that, but that's just who I am to get my, I get my confidence from having education behind me. So I guess that was one thing. And then the other thing I did was I went and worked for a company that sort of worked in the occupational health space and seeing how they did things and realizing that I thought, well, I hoped that I was able to do a better job of that was quite motivating as well because I'd go and run their workshop based on their content and I was like, God, I'm putting myself to sleep reading this stuff out loud. Like imagine how the people in the audience are feeling. And that sort of fueled me to think, look, if if this is something that's a product that's out there that people are buying, I can surely do a better job of this if I research harder, make it more engaging and exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your workshops then. So obviously you've mentioned some big clients like Westpac. So, you know, what do these sort of big corporates come to you for? Like what are the sort of like the key things that they want to implement into the business for when it comes to health and wellness? It's definitely changed a lot during the post-COVID or during COVID era, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, And, you know, mental health has obviously been the big shift over the last few years. And that's kind of why I'm sort of moving my study and expertise into that area, because I think that's where we're going to be able to have the biggest impact in the corporate space Mm -hmm. and also where the biggest need is. But I guess I think the biggest thing that they are looking for now, which I'm really excited about, is like people who do have um, good qualifications, clinical experience, and can, I think, most importantly, impact behavioural change. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably been the missing link is that we've, and I talk about this all the time, but we've thrown out like fruit boxes and like have yoga instructors come in once a month and run a class. And it's like, that's lovely and mm-hmm. it is great to do those things, but is that making a change to the mm-hmm. wellbeing? And and that is the key, like, is it actually going to create lasting change? Mm, I, I completely agree. And I think that they are all really good tools, but they are just tools. So if you were like if someone's listening to this right now and you know let's just say they really are struggling with their with their mental health they're just not in a good place 
in your own experience through your own journey what what advice would you give to those people who are struggling right now and you know maybe aren't in a good place mentally physically like what what would the first steps be that you would advise them to take I think it's twofold and I think the first one and I always think this is the most important one is do speak to health professionals about it because you shouldn't have to like carry every burden yourself and there are people out there that understand how you're feeling and can actually give you the tips that we know through science work. So go and see your GP and if you don't love your GP, find a better one because there are some really wonderful GPs out there who really understand these things and they can then refer you on. You can get mental health care plans that mean seeing a psychologist is far more affordable or if it's a physical problem then go and see they'll refer you to a good physio and actually you know get the help that you need Mm -hmm. um and then the second thing is just the the daily small things that you can do for your health and well-being will impact over in the long run so you know eating a little bit better every day adding a few more veggies in getting a little bit more sleep going to bed a little bit earlier or spending five minutes just focusing on your breathing these seemingly tiny things if they you add them all together do really, and I, I'm sure you would agree with this, Georgie, because I know you talk about this stuff a lot too, but they, they change your life, really yeah. makes a difference. Yeah, 100%. And I can speak from experience here. I used to suffer in my 20s from a terrible anxiety um, to the point I'd have panic attacks on the way to work. Um, similar sort of story to yourself, I guess. I wasn't particularly loving my job and I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I was in sales and it just wasn't in alignment to my core values and who I was deep down. And I think I've gone on my own journey with that. But um, one of the key things that I really helped me a lot was, yes, I reached out and I got help. That was one of the first things I did, but sleep was a really big one uh, for me and also the whole meditation piece Uh, that, that changed my life. And for somebody who has got a very active mind, um, just to be able to sit in silence, just for like 10 minutes, just to gather my thoughts and just slow everything down. Cause it's like, we're just constantly bombarded with information in our day-to-day lives. And it is having a massive impact on our mental well-being. So you've, you've studied meditation. So what in terms of like if someone's listening to this right now and go I'd love to try and maybe start a meditation practice is is there any tips or anything that you can give to people that you learned for your course and yeah what you were taught yes I could talk all day about this <laughs> um, I think the first thing is it's not just for like incense incense burning fisherman pant yeah. wearing hippies like I think yeah. there's this really big which is starting to shift but there is a misconception around yeah. meditation and it now is so evidence-based the research is there to show us that it really does improve our productivity and our focus and our performance as well as enhancing all of those other qualities like feeling calmer and more relaxed and reducing anxiety and those sorts of things um, I think for beginners it's the the number one thing is to not put pressure on yourself to be really good at it to begin with is the first thing and there's not I mean there is no such thing as being good at meditation however a lot of people are like oh my mind was off in the clouds the whole time and I was planning my grocery list and I didn't do a good job of it so I'm just going to quit now but I remember I think this is a Tim Ferriss quote and he said if you at least once during a 10 minute sit for meditation bring your mind back to what you're meant to be focusing on whether that's the breath or a body scan or whatever style of meditation you're doing that is a successful meditation and I always remember that because even after meditating for 10 years there are still days where 
my mind is like, and I'm sure you're the same, Georgie, yeah. like where my mind is just completely insane. I'm like, I'm, I'm normally quite good at meditation, good at it in inverted commas. Um, and why am I so bad today? And just remembering that if just once I managed to bring my mind back into the present moment, then I've achieved something through that session. I find yeah. that really helpful too. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. So I think people say to me, oh, I can't meditate because my thoughts are so busy. I'm like, that's kind of the point. Like, it's not to like, it's just to be aware. I think that's the, it's being awareness and then not following the thought. You know, it's just yeah. being like, oh, there's another thought, there's another thought. You know, it's just becoming aware. And what I identified through my meditation practice was the, the common themes and threads and the unconscious thoughts that were coming up, like the limiting beliefs, the fear, the anxiety, and actually the root of where it came from, which was you know, when I was aware of something, it, I kind of regained the power. And I was like, no, I don't believe that to be true. That's, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case. And I'd always jump to the worst case scenario. What if this, what if that, but just slowing down and being more aware of what actually was, what I was thinking and where this fear came from allowed me then to change it and make, you know, those, yeah, those key changes in my life. So yeah, absolutely. And you said something as well, like, don't like put pressure on yourself because I think what tends to happen, I was speaking to a friend about this the other day is we start having this big to-do list, right? I've got to sleep, I've got to exercise, I've got to do meditation and then we can get overwhelmed yeah. by all the wellness stuff. So if if you were to say like, well, you've, you've mentioned reach out, sleep, but like in terms of someone wanting to start like a self-care practice, like, you know, what's the common themes that you see of people, do people try and implement all at once or like what's been your experience there? <laughs> I do think, I mean, I was... I'm so big into categorizing people, which I know is a bit reductionist and silly, but there really are like there's these two ends of the spectrum of people who are like, you know, the type A perfectionist probably like we are, who are like, I've got to be amazing and like have my morning routine. It's not perfect. And oh my God, I missed one thing from it this morning. Like I'm going to ruin the whole day, which obviously leads to a whole bunch of like more anxiety and stress related issues versus the other end of the spectrum who would just really benefit from maybe just doing one thing from that list. And that would really start to boost their health. So I think it's important to know it which end of the scale you are and probably anyone that's listening to this podcast tends to be up the other end of the spectrum yeah. because we're the people that want to consume all of the professional, you know, personal development yeah. stuff and like, how do I make myself better? Um, so I think like that's in terms of what I see, that is definitely like the dichotomy of personal improvement. And now I feel like I've lost the tangent of the question in the first place. What was the crux of the So it's like, where should, where should we start? Like if it is like obviously seek help, but like how, like yes. what, is it just five minutes? Is it like, you know, just people get so overwhelmed and like they start like thinking I've, they've got to like be perfect at it. But like in your experience, like what, what should we just people just start doing? Yeah, I think, I think pick, the one, I think in your heart of hearts, you always know the one thing that is your big Achilles heel. And so, you know, if you're someone who sleeps five hours a night, you're always tired, you drink like 30 coffees a day, you probably know that that's your thing. Or if you're like, mind's always just completely insane and you're super stressed all the time, then maybe you know that improving your state of calm is your thing or your diet or maybe it's exercise. And I think most of us have, have one thing that's a big issue. And so find that one thing write it down and then think of the smallest thing you can do to improve that. And whether that's, like I said before, going to bed 10 minutes earlier or sitting down and meditating for two minutes a day or going for a walk and like not listening to a podcast, just observing the, the trees and the sky around you or something mm -hmm. once a day. So find the smallest thing that you can do, but commit to doing it every single day at the same time of the day so that you can be sure that it starts to kind of form that mental habit loop. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it becomes natural. And then you can look to add a little 
little bit more onto that. Yeah, beautiful. That's really, really good advice. Um, now, is there any kind of morning routine that, that you have? Like what sort of, you know, let's love to sort of know, like, is there any like health hacks or anything that you found that anything you do daily that you just go, this works for me? Like what is a day in the life of, of Beck Mitchell look like? All right, sit down and relax while I take you through my (laughs) my my pen and pads ready. So here we go. (laughs) Um, So I get up at five thirty every morning, and that has been a game changer for me. Yeah, I think there's like it's like the five thirty club. Five a.m. club, love it. (laughs) So the five a.m. club. Yet I'm still five thirty, but that's key for me because I just and I think everyone differs a bit and you don't again need to put pressure on yourself to get up early if it doesn't suit you but for me I just feel so much happier if I get up early and I get a bunch of stuff ticked and done out of the way before like 7am and then the rest of the day I can kind of like cruise through because I've kind of done the important things on my well-being list Um, so I get up and I do a few stretches and then I go for a run usually I get back I meditate straight away as soon as I get back because I've kind of batched my habits so that they all go one after the other so I don't have to think too much about it which is another thing that I've learned that is really helpful Um, and then I hydrate and then I finally have my coffee and I sit down and I write down three things that I'm really excited about today um, which is I think maybe another Tim Ferriss one I'm not sure but I find that is really helpful I do my gratitude at the end of the day but I do that three things I'm excited about um, in the morning which helps just to frame me into looking for what's positive in the day and even in the most rubbish of days there's always a few things whether it's just like your delicious coffee or a phone call with a friend that you can look forward to um yeah and then I I write in my journal and then write down my three MITs and most important tasks for the day and then I will usually have my breakfast and then get started with work so it's my morning in a nutshell (laughs) brilliant and in terms of that breakfast piece as you've spoken a lot about sort of the nutrition part what's a typical breakfast look like for, for you well, in winter, it's been it's very much like oats. Um, I, I fast for 12 hours. That's like my mm-hmm. – I'm not really into like any longer than that, so I, leave, mm-hmm. I don't have my breakfast until 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have oats and I have like some yogurt and nuts mm-hmm. and stuff and then usually some fruit on there, so just making sure. I think the main thing for me, I'm not really strict about my – you know, I'm certainly not anti-carb or anything. I'm just really making sure that I get my fruit and veggies in during the day so that I get my enough serves of each of those and that I get protein in with most meals and a bit of whole grain. And like, mm-hmm. I don't, other than that, I don't fuss too much about diet. Yeah. You, uh, you said about fasting as well. I, uh, I do, I do some of the same thing. So I, I, I can't fast through the day I need I need to eat and especially I think if you are doing exercise first thing like I it's important to refuel so I think that's where a lot of people go wrong when they try and fast like I've tried to fast like up until lunchtime and I was just a miserable snappy horrible person so I was just like nah last middle of the day is at six o'clock the next the breakfast is between eight and nine and that works for me um I think and I think that's actually a really good health um tip there as well as the whole fasting movement people are sort of like always looking for those hacks and intimate fasting there's lots of benefits and science to it but I think it's again it's working out what works for you so the way we do it I think is probably one of the most popular methods like eat don't eat past you know seven o'clock and then try and eat your breakfast a little bit later Um, I think that's a really good way of doing it so well thanks for sharing your morning routine so how how long have you been doing that for 
Oh, gosh, I, don't, I mean, it's probably been variations of it for a few years, but I just have been gradually tailoring it. And I think, you know, the other thing that I, I think is important is that it is good to be a bit flexible with it. Yeah. Like I was probably went through a period where I was quite rigid and like if I didn't get to do my morning routine, I'd be like really stressed about it. And that obviously has a lot of downsides too. So it's important to have routine and to create habits which make your life easier, but then to also realise that they're not the be all and end all. And if you're traveling or you're, it's the weekend, then I just, like, you know, mm. totally don't worry about it. I just get in what I can and the rest of it. I just think it's it's more important to be present and enjoy your life than stress too much over it. 100%. And I, and I think that's a really good, that's, you just made a really good point there because, you know, like routines, yes, they're fantastic. Yes, I think they are important, it's, especially now with all the other uncertainty. Like I spoke a lot about what we can control. We can always control how we show up and what we do every day. But be kind to yourself. I think there's so many people, especially now, who are like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not exercising enough, I'm not doing this enough, and actually that's causing them more stress. So that whole, like, kindness, self-compassion movement, like, have you, like, I mean, obviously, we're women, we beat ourselves up, we're our own worst critics, but, like, do you ever, like, how do you deal with, like, those inner critics, those limiting beliefs that pop up? Like, what do you do about them do you still get them you know like and what, how do you go about overcoming them um yeah I think it's interesting what you mentioned earlier about the anxiety and stuff I think I'm naturally like I've never had like panic attacks or anything but I'm mm. naturally a bit more hyper vigilant and that's just kind of how mm. I've been brought up I think um and so I've done a bit of work with CBT which I found really helpful which I think is similar to what you mentioned about meditation where it's just mm. about being more aware of where the beliefs come from and then being able to question whether or not they're true. So it's like, you know, if I'm feeling like I'm not, I don't know, doing a great job of a workshop and I'm like, oh, they're not, they don't seem to be as engaged as I think. And then it's, it's about looking at that and thinking, how do I actually know that they're not enjoying themselves? Like, is this, is it, is it definitely that? Or is it that the room maybe is a bit warm and it's after lunch and maybe they're just a bit tired and like, don't want to be sitting still for a minute. So if I get them up and moving, then maybe it'll be fine. So I think it's just that understanding psychology has helped and, and seeing it, I've seen a psychologist for a brief period to help understand um, the way that my mind works and I, I advocate for absolutely everyone to see a psychologist at some stage. I think we see physios if we've got a sore knee or we see our GP to have a checkup, but not enough of us actually, because of the stigma around psychology, we don't go and seek help around how we think about things, I think. I completely agree. I just think that it's the one thing I hope does change. Like I think that you know everyone's taking selfies on their runs and they're, you know, like going to the gym, but, you know, no one's taking a selfie of, oh, just off to see my my shrink you know but actually like they're the people that are most have got it all together because they are speaking about their thoughts and and their emotions and how they're feeling it's the people who sort of bottle up that actually end up you know internalizing it all and you know cause themselves lots of problems and you know I'm so I guess I've been so open about my journey because there isn't a stigma to it and because of the, because I went through the anxiety and I, and I got help and I started to understand where it all came from, I actually then became so much stronger in my mind and my body and, 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 and managed it. If I had just ignored it, I would, wouldn't be sat here right now. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way. You know, you wouldn't have started your business. You wouldn't have found the belief. So there really shouldn't be a stigma around reaching out to help, going to see a professional and you know, yes, we'll do these practices and things, but yeah, like don't be afraid to reach for help. I think that's a really, really big one, especially 
now when people are spending more time in isolation they've lost their job you know there's lots of crazy stuff happening in the world right now and you know I think now is not the time to be pointing fingers or judging people who are you know seeking some help I think we should be supporting them we should be cheering them on and saying yeah go do it because yeah it's important yeah I Um, I see so many people too who you know, like it's, it's normalized to deal with this and push it under by like partying every weekend or like right. smoking cigarettes or excessively exercising and all that stuff is almost considered more acceptable than going mm-hmm. and seeing a psychologist, which is like so crazy, mm-hmm. isn't it? I completely agree. And I always say as well, it's like comparison is a thief of joy as well. Like I'm really big on that. And I think it's really easy right now to sort of look at other people and go, oh, it's all right for them. And, you know, look at them. But in terms of like, in your own life like what was the sort of like the underlying beliefs that you had that came up when you were sort of working through and building Beck the Beck that is now was there any underlying pattern that you had to overcome I think one of the big ones that we've already talked about is like that I had to be perfect and I think Mm. that's been something that I've struggled with my whole life which and I'm certainly far from perfect so it's not like I ever even got close or not that any of us can um but I think that was something that everything I did I'd like I have to make sure this is the best and that I am the best and that I you know like I can't just pass my degree I have to like do really well and I think learning that you know done is better than perfect and you know just ticking boxes is is sometimes okay and like you don't have to do everything absolutely perfectly that's been such a I think that when I first spoke to a psychologist and they said that and I was like oh this weight just like came <laughs> off my shoulders I was like oh yeah like that's yeah. so true and I don't even really value you know other people who were per- like trying to be perfectionists yeah. that's not something that I look at and think is really admirable so yeah. it's not even in line with my values at all so it's yeah. really interesting that's it and I think that you said then like done is better than perfect and I always say like progress over perfection like the amount of posts and things like I've done and when I first even started the podcast like I had no idea how to to do anything but I thought screw it I'm just gonna learn I'm just gonna go for it I'm probably you know stuff up a few times but that's okay and I just think it's all part of the journey but ultimately if you don't go for it you don't grow and going back to what you said earlier about the act you know people are too scared to act because in fear of making mistakes, failing, not being perfect. So we we do live in a society that, you know, I really do think if you can overcome that and you can just trust yourself enough to go for it, then you really can't lose. Yeah, so true. You know, like, but look, I, yeah, I, I love what you're about. So if anyone was sort of listening to this right now, like what sort of piece of advice, what's the biggest sort of lesson that you've learned through your journey that you want to pass on to somebody who maybe is a bit of a perfectionist um, and does, it wants to maybe start a business or change careers or get a bit fitter and healthier. Like what, what advice would you give to that person? I think like really get to know yourself and become like get to the point where you can be yourself and not and not feel like that's not okay because I think there's no point in it's the same you know whether it's physical or mental well-being or your career it's all the same like if you are trying to make yourself do exercise that you really hate then you're never going to become someone who healthy living is a part of your lifestyle because it's always going to make you miserable so know yourself like I bloody hate sport excuse me swearing I really don't like sport like I've never liked team sport and I used to try and make myself and then I just would like end up cancelling all my plans and never exercising and I figured out that what I really like is going for a bit of a slow jog on my own and sometimes doing a bit of Pilates and yoga and that's great so I think like 
get to take the time to get to know yourself, become okay with yourself. And then once you're, once you've done that little bit of work, which I don't think needs to be necessarily, um, a long journey to get to the point where you feel comfortable with acting on that. And then done is better than perfect is, is always my number one takeaway. Yeah. I love that. Done is better than perfect. I think that's going to be the title of today's podcast. (laughs) So Beck, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and get to know you better? So all of my, everything is just Beck Mitchell. BeckMitchell.com is my website and my Instagram is the same name and Facebook and everything. So just my name. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. I have loved speaking to you uh, today. It's been an absolute pleasure and um, I'm sure our paths will cross at some point when all this is over. We can actually travel and, you know, if you're ever in Melbourne or the Gold Coast, then let's definitely catch up and have a coffee. I think we've got like, yeah, lots, lots of things in common and lots of similar beliefs, but it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind to Lead podcast. I really hope you got some great takeaways and key learnings from this episode. To help us spread the message, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We love reading your thoughts and your insights and your learnings. And look, reach out to me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Georgie Hubbard. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Georgie L. Hubbard. Let's connect. I hope you have an incredible day and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon.